Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and Nate are back together again after a busy summer. Today we look at doubt and how even pastors wrestle with their beliefs from time to time. So sit back and relax, and we hope you'll enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how are you doing this week? I'm doing all right. How are you, Nate? I am doing wonderful. Sounds like you're drinking a beverage there. So, Yeah, I was thirsty, so uh, yeah. I got a Coke. Yeah, I've got this coffee here, so if you hear me just uh, taking a nice sip here and there, I have become a coffee snob after I went to Costa Rica. Oh, really? Your Costa Rican coffee has made you... Uh, yes. So when we bought you. our coffee bar, we got all these pour-overs, like the things to do pour overs yeah and we don't do them on sundays because the coffee's free and there's too many people and it takes too long so it's like my daily thing now i make myself a pour over first thing when i get to the office and uh just savor the the sweet taste of the nectar of the gods oh (laughs) um so yeah i was gonna tell you a story i was riding in a car uh, with my nephew, my nephews were up for a week for VBS. They came to our VBS. They live in Fort Worth. So um, they were up and we were all going on my son's birthday. Tyler just turned 18. We were going to take pictures of all the cousins together. And then we were going to take Tyler out for lunch. And And so we're in the car and my nephew says to me, Punkle Nate, which... Uncle Nate, he, I used to when he was little, he lived in town. So I was his pastor and his uncle. So they all, all the nephews called me Punkle Nate. That's my name. So he says, Punkle Nate, I think Jesus was a, maybe a good actor. And I said, what do you mean by that? What do you mean Jesus is a good actor? Well, I think maybe Jesus wasn't really dead. He just kind of pretended to be dead. And then he, uh, you know, act, pretended to... <laughs> come to life again and i said i said no carson i you know my theological mind is (laughs) racing and i'm like trying to avoid my nephew getting into any heresy at age seven and i i said no carson i'm pretty sure uh he's he was a hundred percent dead and he said well punkle nate maybe maybe he was like point five percent acting so he was 99.5 percent dead (laughs) and then he was 0.5 percent acting like he was dead and i said i'm just gonna stick with you know 100 percent dead and raised again you know because of you know those things we quote like the apostles creed that that, (laughs) you know that i was thinking yeah some early heresies of the church probably uh we're, we're right in line with my nephew's thinking, but what it did make me think about was the, I, or what really intrigued me was not, you know, the, a seven-year-old understanding of the resurrection, but 
it, it was that he's trying to work out how this sure. all works and sure. he's questioning and he's wrestling with, well, how could somebody be dead and then be fully dead and then really come back to life? And uh, I think, you know, that is something that we all do, even us pastors. And when I talk to people, I'm like, when they ask me, why are there so many denominations, Pastor Nate? And I'm like, like you know, um, well, to me, it's just because we're all trying to sort out this mystery and and we we come at it very differently. And then there are some bedrock things like that he was really dead and that he really came to life that we all want to yeah. agree to. Yeah. But but whenever anybody asks me about that, we're all just really trying to work this thing out because the mystery of salvation is so much bigger than any of us. So sure. Yeah. It's it's interesting that it's uh, it seems innate in the human person to call into question uh, the stories that we that we've been told. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, that's just that's and and what's interesting about it is that it seems through history we've kind of cycled through um, our attitude about whether or not we're allowed to call it into question. Um, and and this generation, uh, we seem to be at this place where we're like, well, we're not going to tell the kids what to think. We're going to give them lots of space to think whatever they want to think. And, uh, and so we're in a kind of a deconstructionist time, I guess, in history, uh, or at least in the U.S., we seem to be. Yeah, we definitely are. We're making are... A, lot, a lot of room for, for doubt, a lot of room for questions. Um, whereas, you know, uh, I think probably when I was a kid, we, uh, and, I, and I'm pretty sure that when my parents were kids, that, that the answer was, no, that's wrong, and this is what you need to think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's we're... a whole different world. I'm sure you were this kid too, like me. When I was a kid, I had these questions that mom and dad couldn't answer. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, some of them just, just make your mind melt. And uh, oh, sure. that's when your mom would say, uh, well, we just don't think about those things. <laughs> we just, we just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I just don't let my mind that, go there. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, that, that kind of became the standard answer for the church and, and even in society for on a lot of issues for a long time. We didn't, we just didn't, we didn't address it cause we didn't know how, and it was messy and we were trying to present a unified front or we were trying to keep up appearances of some sort. Uh, and, and we were playing company man roles where we couldn't, we couldn't, you know, look behind the curtain, so to speak. Uh, because yeah. Reveal the messy underbelly of this thing. And, and, and then we wouldn't, because because we weren't really worshiping God, we were worshiping certitude. We were, oh, you know, that's and, good. And so, uh, if we if you're worshiping certitude, then any any uncertainty has to be, you know, cast out, uh, like the Alfie Coleman at the Passover dinner. You know, the the bundle of yeast that was chunked out because it was sin. We, so we call yeah it, we call if we were worshiping certitude, then cert uncertainty was sin. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so we had to get rid of it. I I can. And speaking of pastors, I, I can think of, I can remember as a, a young person that the, the pastor always seemed to know. The pastor always seemed to be certain that you didn't ever hear when I was growing up, you didn't hear pastors uh, up in front of a congregation saying, you know, I don't really know about this. <laughs> there it was yeah. none of that. It was no. just like, like no. you're saying. Just the drive pulpit. the point home. Yeah, we are certain, we are sure, because any kind of um, uncertainty was seen as weakness of faith, 
It was seen of as questioning the Almighty. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you it remember was, when, when Mother Teresa's journal was read and people were like, freaking oh out. She had doubt. Yeah. The saint had <laughs> doubt. And they were freaking out. It was and like, they were like, they're thinking, how could this person who doubted this very, you know, these very <laughs> core things like help all these people? And, and maybe it's because she doubted those things that she could identify with those people. I don't know. <laughs> it was, yeah. She was able to actually have a conversation with a regular human being because she had doubt. And feel, and they could feel loved because they didn't feel judged by her. Which I think, you know, uh, I, on Sunday I actually said during my message, I said, "Now listen, I'm going to get some things wrong." And people who stand here in this place and and bring the word and preach or whatever are going to get things wrong. We're going to have uncertainty. So when I grew up, I feel like what came from the pulpit, I understood it to be a final word. And right. So I, yeah. I was very confused on some issues and I struggled through them. Uh, but whatever comes from this pulpit, um, we need to understand this is a conversation along the journey. And right. Yeah. That's the best it'll ever get. Uh, there's no final word here. You know what? I think one of the reasons why I think we're drawn to certitude is because then we're in control. Yes. Because oh, we got God dissected. We put yeah. him in little jars and put him up on the shelf. Right. And once you know, and, and you just know that you know, I mean, I we used to hear, do you know that you know that you know? That oh, you know? God, that was a mantra. That, <laughs> once yeah. you know, then you're the one who's in control, because like, if you can really know, then your 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 mind is actually bigger than the almighty. You can comprehend everything sure. you need to know. And, and yeah. so certitude really puts us back in the driver's seat. I think the same thing when people get so fascinated with the second coming. I think the reason why we want to know how it's all going to end and when it's all going to end and what it's going to look like is because we want to be in the driver's seat. Right. We want to know where the line is so we can tow the line and we want to make sure that we're towing the line on the day. Right. Right. So, you know, kind of, and, and some of it, you know, uh, is, is about judgment for other people. But, oh Yeah. You know, and making sure that, that, you know, well, because our holiness tends to be in comparison to right. uh, my neighbor. Well, at least I'm not like that guy. Yeah. And, <laughs> Which so, our holiness probably should be in comparison to the holy one. The one who is holy. Yeah. Which will probably drive us to our knees. If, if scripture sure. is an indication, every sure. time somebody sees a revelation of God, they're like, woe is me. I'm no, not worthy know. to be... <laughs> Yeah, in yeah. Hebrew it says, let us go into the presence of God and trust him fully. And the trusting fully is like this trust that he that he has for He won't kill us. He's not gonna smote us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> smite me, almighty smiter. <laughs> little yeah. Bruce Almighty. Little Bruce right Almighty. Yeah. Yes. Good stuff right there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that that's interesting. This we haven't left a lot of room for doubt. Um because and, and it's interesting because if you talk to uh um, uh, I've forgotten her name, but the lady who uh, who runs the the Sticky Faith thing at Fuller, uh, the Youth Institute, uh, Laura. I've forgotten her name. I apologize to her. That's all right. But uh, she says that uh, she always kind of starts her talks with um, uh, faith or, or doubt is not the enemy of our faith. Silence is. Yeah, which I think is just you know. You can almost apply that to you can apply that to all kinds of things, you know. 
that silence is the enemy. Not talking about it, not discussing it, not having open conversation about it, not sitting at an open table where everybody has some say so. You know, right? Are- yeah, because I think sometimes it's it's in that questioning and the wrestling, like we see with Jacob. You know, that wrestles with guys in the wrestling that that we actually come out transformed that, that our name is changed, uh, you know, from heel grabber Jacob to Israel. <laughs> so, um, I, I think it, there's definitely some of that. I, I think there is a, a sense in which, um, in our deconstructionist age, we might need to put a caveat in that because there is the other kind that's, that's continually almost asking for a sign, if you will, there, the, the questions, are are not in order to to necessarily get to the heart of God, but it's just question for question's sake. So I think there is a there is something to be said. I, I think laments again help us because oh, when people know. lament, underneath the lament, there's always the cry out, but underneath it is always the person you're crying to is the rock. You know, it's like yeah, you whether want not to, you're lamenting to God. Because you want to see God work, so so that lament in itself is an affirmation of faith, right? Right. So so yeah. lament is different than just complaint or just always trying to poke <laughs> holes in sure. an argument. Yeah. Or yes, yeah. lament has that that sense that God is there underneath it all, undergirding it all. And even if you can't see God and you don't understand it, you're going to throw that out there. You're going to throw your sure. questions to a God who will listen. Well, and it, and believing that God is there even when you can't see God, maybe. right? Yeah, because if you don't, then that that lament unspoken or unlamented is it'll just turn to bitterness, right? Yeah, and so you have you have to say it out loud because you, it, and there's also some some point at which the human person in in lament acknowledges that I have you created me, God. I have the right to stand before you with my with my sorrow and my brokenness because you gave me that right by creating me in your image if i'm if i'm hurting believing that 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 there's something wrong with the world that something's broken that that it's not the way it's supposed to be i only know that because i was created in your image so there's an acknowledgement within lament that right yeah i am i belong to you and and i want to see the same redemption that you want to see I think the thing that I wanted to get into ultimately in this episode is, so what does it look like as a pastor? And and I'll share mine with you. What does it look like during the week when you're having these doubts or you're, you, you know, there have been times and I heard another pastor say it this way, just like, you know, sometimes when you just think about all the things that we even acknowledge as a Christian faith and, and you just think about it, it, it almost sounds crazy. And it's like you could look at it some days and be like, that's that's a crazy story. You know, that the, the God came down to earth, that God died for us, that God was resurrected and that that resurrection can make give us new life. I mean, just sometimes the narrative, sometimes even as a pastor, you just you just think, 
well, is it, that's really, really crazy if you just think about it. And and so then I wanted to ask you, like, I, I know for myself, there have been Sundays where I get up and I'll say, Paula, you need to pray for me because I'm not really sure what I believe about this, but it's Sunday, you know, and I got to get up and uh, I'm charged with bringing the word of God to the people. Sure. And and I, I found yeah. that God I is faithful in this. Like that. Yeah, God yeah. is faithful. That's yeah. that's the ultimate. That's where we get to. But I rem I remember, I remember one one Tuesday, uh, in my first pastorate, and I actually emailed one of my professors at SNU, Gerard Ashton, with this one. And I was like, man, I think I'm doubting the divinity of Jesus. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. and he calls like, you a heretic and told you to just quit preaching and yeah. He said, up. well, you should probably get another job. Um, no, he actually <laughs> he didn't. He said, Michael, that's a pretty serious doubt you're having there let's talk about it and we did and so it was very helpful um but but just to have space to and and room to have those conversations you know and there's probably some listener going oh, can't yeah. believe that you doubt you can reach me. michael at wayfinders dot whatever <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know what it is but, but is it dot com yeah or it's dot, dot net church. Dot, dot church all right okay. I'm um, just messing with you. So it's just, uh, you know, I mean, that's, if you're going to have a doubt as a Christian pastor, that's the one you don't want to have. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you that, can, that's you probably can doubt, true, yeah. Yeah, I can doubt whether my board members are really all in. I can doubt whether or not we're going to have the finances to pay our bill. But you cannot doubt whether or not Jesus is divine. Right, right, and still walk into the pulpit and preach, and yet somehow in that process, at walking into the pulpit and preaching the word of God, is what saved me. Yeah, right. that's that's what brought me, brought faith out of my doubt was having to tell the story, not to the congregation, but to my own soul. You know, right? And, yeah, and invite the Holy Spirit to remind me of what it was I was struggling to remember that I believed, you know? Yeah. Well, and there are days where I'll get up and I'll say, you know, uh, pastor's preaching to himself today. I'm, I'm wrestling with this stuff. I'm struggling with this stuff just like you are. Um, because there, there are things in scripture at times that are unsettling and they're unnerving. And, and sometimes people just want to tell that party line and say, well, God said it, I believe it. And that settles it. But, I've never been one who had a mind that worked like that. Like if right. I haven't, if I haven't worked through it, if I haven't wrestled with with the scary dark monsters on the other <laughs> side of it, then um, I I'm just faking it when oh, I yeah. when I say I'm yeah. certain. And so I would rather go into the dark place and and wrestle, and I would rather go into the dark place and question. Yeah. In a community, and that's the beauty of community, in a community, not just my local church, but community of people like you and my friend Ryan that was on and people that I call up, my buddy Chad, you know, during the week and say, hey, let's talk about this. Um, sure. Like, how is, how do you see this? And what, am, am I a heretic? I know we've called each other and said things like that to each oh, other before. Yeah. Like, yeah. tell me I'm not a heretic, but this is this what is I'm what thinking I'm today. Thinking. <laughs> So yeah, please help me figure out what's this has got to be wrong. I've got to be wrong here. This can't be right. Um, I, you know, I, I had a conversation when I was uh, a ministerial student at Southern Naz uh, years ago, and, and I was working in a 
a telecommunications company, and I was uh, I was at work, and it was a manufacturing end of things. So you were calling me at dinner. That's what you were doing. Calling me and offering me free cell phone coverage or something. No, 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 I wasn't. Not that kind was, of tele. Okay. I was on the production end. I was okay. on the installation and production I was about to say, end. I hated those people who. No, no. Call the me equipment that makes the, that, you know, makes it possible for you to reach out and touch someone. As there you go. That's right. Um, we, we in, built it and installed it. And, Sorry, uh, I interrupted you, but you no, were working okay. there and you were working as a church. And I, I was working and, and this guy, then I'm, I'm just sitting there and we're working across the table from one another. And he just goes, how can you just believe what it is that Christians say they believe? He just like, could, I guess he, <laughs> he was bottled up and he couldn't take it anymore. And he just had to ask because uh, he knew I was a ministerial student. He knew I was going to be a pastor. And he's just like, how can you just believe that? And I said, you know, and so we had this conversation and, and I catch myself in the middle of the conversation saying, do you think that I haven't wondered whether or not Mary was telling a big fib about where that baby came from and that it was really Joseph's? And, you know, do you think that I have, and I just started listing all of the things that are hard to believe that are, you know, in right. the Apostles' Creed yeah. that, are, that are there in, a, in our Christian doctrines. Um, and I started listing them going and just dismantling them right in front of me. And his eyes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> like, like he had never thought of half the things that I'm talking about. He's like, think? oh my goodness, dude, you've dismantled Christianity far more than I have. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of part of the responsibility of, of the faithful person to, you know, struggle with it. If you don't doubt it, then how can you say you believe it at all? Yeah, otherwise, you're just coattailing. You're just on somebody else's coattails. Yeah, I just believe it because that's what my mom told me to believe. Well, that doesn't seem like a good idea. Right. So I've had, uh, I've actually had people come up to me and, and I, I was sympathetic. I was at a youth camp and I had a parent come up to me. I was speaking the camp and the parent was just railing about my local university. At the time, I'm sitting on the board of trustees of this university, Southern Nazarene University. Yeah. <laughs> And she's railing about the theology department and I'm taking master's classes and I'm trying to get in those professors classes who are teaching at NTS because I love them so much. Right. And she's just laying into our theology department. And I came to find out that the impetus behind it was, you know, a child had gone up there and had been faced with questions that, that the child had never been exposed to, like, growing up and completely gave up on faith. And I, I, I completely understand that that's a frustration that people go through. But what I said to her was this, and I, I believe it, and this is why I love our university and I support the theology department and what they're trying to do, because I think they do it responsibly. Uh, some people, you know, sometimes think universities don't, but I told her, I said, I don't ever want to sit under a pastor who hasn't wrestled with his or her doubts. I don't want to sit under a pastor who hasn't gone to those dark places and really wrestled with it. Because like I said, because otherwise that certitude is, is kind of a generic fake face you just put on. But, but if you really are going to be in this and you're going to get up in front of people every week and you know that some of them have these questions... Now, different minds work differently. My wife does not have as many questions. She always will. We balance each other out because she's like, childlike faith, Nate. Childlike <laughs> faith. 
And she is right at some points. Sure. But, but I know there are people sitting uh, in those chairs, since we don't have pews anymore, um, those chairs that 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 are having these, you know, wrestling in the back of their mind. They're questioning some of the things that they're hearing. And if I'm not willing to speak up and say that I question them as well and, and that I've had to wrestle and I've had to study, and um, then then there's no way they're ever going to admit to it. Uh, because they're going to see that, well, I just need to tell the line. And so then what happens is we just have masks being put on all across your congregation and everybody uh, goes back to that certitude. And then then it's impossible to really, I think, to really grow unless you're willing to be authentic. And sure. uh, it, it seems a worse it seems a worse fate uh, than to doubt what it is you say you believe. It, it seems a worse thing to have to doubt the sincerity and authenticity of the person, the person in the pew next to you. Right. Yeah. Like that, that seems far worse to me that can I trust you that having that doubt right there is, it seems a much worse thing to have to deal with because um, ultimately Christianity is not supposed to be about, um, about doctrine. Uh, it's supposed to be about community. Yeah. And I, I also always tell people God is big enough to take your questions. Um, oh, yeah. You know, we like to get on Thomas about doubting, but, you know, uh -huh. when when you read the Gospel of John, um, you know, many scholars believe that last chapter was added in. So it should have ended on Thomas's exclamation of my Lord and my God. Yeah. And it's not like Jesus doesn't even scold him for saying, I need to see his hands no, inside. Like he comes and shows him like, like yeah. Jesus is, is willing and ready to show him what he needs to see the to meaning, believe. At the point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think and, that's where Jesus deals. That's how he deals with doubt. Right. You know? Help, help me with my unbelief. Okay. I'll help you with your unbelief. But once I'll again, you what you need to see. unspoken unbelief uh, won't be dealt with because no. it'll, because Jesus won't force his way into our lives. Well, yeah. Arguably, that's what we're that's what we're not bringing into the presence of God. Right. And so we're we're there's there's an inauthenticity there and if you don't bring something into the presence of God to be redeemed, then it won't get redeemed, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I said that thing say, but Yeah, it's kind of the same deal. I said that in a sermon about the the um unpardonable sin not too long ago is the same kind of deal. The only sin that can't be forgiven is the one you don't believe God could forgive you. Of. Yeah. If you don't bring it to him, it's right. not, I mean, you have to offer it to him to be right. forgiven. Otherwise what you're saying with your free will is I don't really need you here. Yeah. And, it's, and that's not, I don't know that that's a safe bet in the end. Right. And so I just wanted to encourage people like who are out there listening to these crazy two pastors talk and I, <laughs> I'm glad we're getting back together. My routine's going to get a lot more, you know, routine here. Um, but, but just like if you feel crazy, like sometimes there are things that you hear or you read in scripture and you just question those things, like uh, we're with you. I mean, we pastors, uh, we probably question as much as you do, if not more, because we're, that's, we're reading all the time. We're studying all the time every week, getting ready to preach to you. And so uh, I would encourage you, like, talk to your pastor. That would be, a, like, for me, I always used to tell my teens, if a teen came up to ask me a question about the Bible and about God, I would just, 
that would make my week. Like, you know, because that's what we want to do. Yeah. I don't (laughs) want to play games. Yeah. I want to, I want to have real conversations about what's God up to in your life and, and what are you facing that you need, you need to know that you have a, a redeemer. And you're not sure you can buy into this, this God who created all the earth loving you personally. I Let's talk about it. You know, um, if you're not sure you can buy into the de- deity of Jesus, I mean, <laughs> you might not want to be a pastor. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, let's, let's work through it. Let's wrestle through it. Yeah. And let's, let's, let's open it up before God and, and Jesus will meet us at our point of need, uh, just like Thomas. And so, man, this is, this is good stuff. If you think about Thomas, I wanted to say this a while ago. If you think about Thomas, he really wasn't much of a doubter because he he's actually quoted as saying, "Come on, let's go with your let's go with Jesus to Jerusalem so that we too may die." Yeah, yeah. Like, I so he, he wasn't not only was he not a doubter, but he seemed to get it. Yeah, he seemed to understand exactly where this thing was headed. If we he was a prophet of sorts. If we continue on this trajectory, this is where it will eventuate. Right. Yeah. It, it, he's always gotten a bad rap. I've always loved Thomas, maybe because I can relate to him because I yeah. has <laughs> so many questions. And but yeah, he was the one who was willing. Let's go to Jerusalem and die with him. Let's do it. And uh, <laughs> nobody else was saying that at the time. No. So, uh, man, it's been great to be back with you. I uh, hope your kids are getting ready. I know Jonah was at football today. I'm going to take my youngest to college a week from Friday. So uh, it's going to be weird for me. You got one doing cheerleading. What's what's Jude up to this year? Haven't heard much about his school. Jude is a seventh grader. He's going to play tennis. Awesome. Yeah. My boys both love tennis, especially in middle school. We had a great coach and he just like had hundreds of kids out for tennis because he was such a good coach. So He's also going to take an art class. So he was awesome. excited about two things, art and tennis. And he got a letter in the mail that said that he could, he could go ahead and skip the regular math class and go ahead and take algebra because his math scores were good enough on the standardized testing. And, uh, you know, as parents, you go, oh, well, Judah, that's great. You know, and he's just going, oh, that's Algebra. <laughs> my brother's a math teacher, so we won't bash on algebra too much. Algebra. I was hoping to have an easy math class. Yeah, yeah. So. He got so mad at Nathan's senior year. Nathan took the like generic math class when he could have taken something much more difficult. But Nathan was wanting to have an easy senior year, and my brother was—he just never let him live it down. He was like, "Come on, Nathan." He's like, "I'm not going to study anything with math in it in college." So. uh now he's a, he's a theology major, so he's probably right. Um, Not a whole lot of math and theology. Maybe. Yeah, and you just celebrated an anniversary with your wife. I did. Twenty years. years we've been married. Twenty-one years. Congratulations. Uh-huh. Wait, that means that we got married at twenty-one. So as of this anniversary, we have been married as long as we were unmarried. Yeah, since I'm older than you, that happened for me a couple of years ago. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting because it seems like I, you know it seems like you've been married your whole life. Um, but oh yeah, it's interesting. Maggie's only 16, 17 years old, but I can't remember. Like sometimes when I think before she was born, I'll say to Shelly, "Where was Maggie?" Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, that was before Maggie. She wasn't born." Yeah. yeah. So we, ha- you know, just trying to think back. I'm. It, some things just are so routine at this point that I have a hard time going. Where was Shelly? Oh, I was still in high school. Shelly wasn't yeah. part of the equation yet. Right. 
Well, have a great week. I love you, man. And uh, we'll talk again next week. All right. All right. We'll see you. Take care. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.